they really don't like traditional Catholics and the deposit of the faith. I could read you diatribes posted online in various articles and social media posts by modernists and post-trads who are gleeful about traditionis custodis, but mystified as it appears to have been backfiring for Francis and the modernists in the form of record attendance at traditional liturgy, bishops who appear not to be going along with it, and any, and even pushback from the secular world. But I'm not going to share those stories. Instead, I have the story of a new commission beginning its work in mid-September to help make the church indistinguishable from the world, and how this perfectly encapsulates their animosity towards not only the faith, but to those of us who try our best to live it. Our Lord told us that it would not be easy, that we would have a great amount of animosity aimed our way, that we'd need to pick up our crosses and to follow him. But he also told us that his yoke was easy and his cross light, and ours would essentially be that too if we only put all our trust in him and in the faith. So, today, let's have a look at this animosity firsthand, in the form of this new commission, and how it is connected to Paca Papa Francis's war on the traditional liturgy and the faith it represents. We truly do exist with within two competing worlds, two competing faiths. On the one hand, we have the traditionally-minded Catholics, those who, regardless of the liturgy they attend, simply want the faith of our forebears, and want a church hierarchy that authentically teaches and defends the faith, and a pope and a college of cardinals who work for the needs of the church against the work of the Lord of the world and his minions that wage war against Christ the King. On the other hand are the modernists and the ape of the church that they are building, if it isn't already finished, and their alliance with the Lord of the world and his minions. This is a stark reality, and one of the principal defining characteristics is your attitude towards changing things within the church. If you want the church to get with the times, which really means to get with the standards of the world and its dark lord, then you are on the side of the ape of the church. It really is that simple. A good example of this is a story that has broken from the independent Catholic media that has gotten little press, at least at the time of this recording. From Gloria TV comes this headline, Second Papal Commission on Deaconesses Begins Work. Some say, so what, the ancient church had deaconesses. While technically true, they were not ordained and were essentially assistants to the bishop and presbyter, the priest, for those tasks where it would be inappropriate for a man to perform the task himself, such as immersion baptism of a woman, for example. The deaconess of the ancient world was fundamentally different than what the modernists are promoting. But then again, they are adherents to the errors of antiquarianism and archaeologism, which state that we should try to recreate the practices of the ancient church and bring them into the contemporary church. Without fail, each of these attempts to recreate ancient practices really were just excuses to make the church look more like the modern world, and to embrace the errors of Protestantism. The story goes like this. From that Gloria TV story, we get this, quote, Francis's second commission on deaconesses, appointed in April 2020, will meet for the first time in mid-September in Rome for a full week, according to media reports. The first con con commission confirmed in 2019 that known historical fact that the deaconesses of the first centuries were like social workers, without sacramental ordination and blessed with a different prayer than liturgical deacons. The new group is led by L'Aquila Cardinal Petrocchi and includes, as was the case for the first commission, educated opponents of deaconesses like Father Manfred Hauck, who teaches theology in Lugano, Switzerland. The question remains unanswered why there was a need for a second commission. End quote. The first commission rejected the call for bringing back this practice. But I can answer 
for the author why they felt there was a need for it. It's because the modernist hates the deposit of the faith and wants to turn Catholicism into an institutional brand for achieving utopia on earth. It's like any other institution that has people with no business running it, finding themselves in the positions of power to change everything regardless of consequences. This problem persists in the priesthood, the offices of most Novus Ordo parishes and diocesan chanceries all the way up the chain to the papacy itself. We saw this problem at the council when Vatican II was taken over by modernists who attempted to recraft the church into their own image and then sell us on the nonsensical idea of the hermeneutic of continuity afterwards. The Catholic Herald published a story that perfectly illustrates this. It's written by an author who doesn't get into online trad discussions, doesn't watch social media commentary, would probably be mortified if he found out that one of us was actually going to quote him extensively here in a second, and is a traditional Catholic who experienced this animosity and this utter detestation of the deposit of the faith firsthand even before Samorum Pontificum was published in 2007. I have that story, and the others I cite here are posted over at returntotradition.org, so you can see it for yourself. But take a look at what he experienced firsthand. Quote, I had long been vaguely aware that, quote-unquote, traditional Catholics existed, but was led to believe all of them were deranged fanaticists, and many were quite literally Germans from the 1930s and 40s. Clergy discouraged me from investigating these things further, lest I turn into one of them. The problem was, one by one, close Catholic friends were quietly turning into them. So were various family members. Yet none had transformed into aluminum hoil hat wearers or big bad event of the 1940s that starts with the letter H, rejectors. Still, I dared not join any of them at that ancient Latin mass for fear of upsetting clergy. But these anti-traditionalist priests had no truthful, straightforward arguments, just emotional blackmail and passive aggression. They never explained their bizarre hysteria. Why did the clergy I knew emotionalize this particular issue more than any other? In general, they were fine if I blasphemed, toyed knowingly with heresy, or committed grave sins without bothering to confess them. Whereas the old mass in their eyes was evil, more evil than sin itself, and had to be stamped out like a cockroach. I was puzzled, but obediently stayed away. One priest, a university chaplain, began repeatedly confiding in me about how he hated the Latin Mass and deliberately tried to sabotage his own celebrations of it. He refused to advertise it properly, offered it at irregular, inconvenient times in an out-of-the-way chapel, and deliberately used the wrong vestments, all so that he would be able to tell his superiors that nobody wanted it at his institution. I still don't know whether this is true or why he even told me, yet he also openly disparaged this Mass and people who attended to several of my friends who might otherwise have been curious about attending. End quote. In their eyes, the old Mass was evil, more evil than sin itself. That phrase captures the entirety of the opposition and the framing of the opposition to the Latin Mass in one concise statement. He said nothing untrue there. I have witnessed firsthand kindly Novus Ordo clergy go from kind and smiling to instantly angry as soon as traditional Catholicism or the traditional liturgy are brought up. The transformation can only be described as demonic because people don't typically get that upset about things that quickly under normal circumstances, but I've seen it firsthand enough times to know that it's a real phenomenon, and have actually had the ire directed at me by a priest who was standing less than three feet from me long before I began doing this kind of work. It's an unsettling experience if you have any understanding of what the priest is, what the concept of an altar Christus is supposed to mean. At the core of this is the new, simple reality. We are told that there is a hermeneutic of continuity, but reality, the practice of the church, has been to act as if Vatican II reinvented the church. And that is seen in phrases like the Church of the New Advent, a new Pentecost, 
and a new springtime in the church. All of those speak of rebirth, as if the old church functionally died at Vatican II and something new was born in its place. And maybe it was. When Francis the Great and Merciful formally tossed out the hermeneutic of continuity, first in a statement last spring and then formally with Traditionis Custodis, the only viable alternative became the hermeneutic of rupture, which most of these types of figures in the church secretly hold to. All you have to do is compare Casti Canubi, the encyclical of Pius XI, to its post-Vatican II counterparts to see what I mean, if you know how to read and read carefully. And for those who don't know, the hermeneutic of continuity essentially says that Vatican II and everything in the church that came after must be viewed in light of tradition. It must be read as a continuity of what came before 1962. The hermeneutic of rupture says that there was a break in the church from its historic past in some manner at the council. The latter argument was only held openly, but rather quietly by traditional Catholics, and vocally rejected by the church hierarchy even when they were adhering to it in practice by continuously bringing changes into the church and breaking with its historic past in order to make the church adhere to the values of the world and to the values of the Lord of the world, as seen in the, the abomination of communion in the hand. Girl altar boys, laity reading at the Mass, and parishes functionally run by lay councils instead of by the priests who run the parish. This is a leveling of the church, bringing everyone into an equal footing within the church, and the priest reduced to a functional sacramental administrator, and eliminating his being an altar Christus, removing his role of being another Christ at the Mass. This animosity only leads to, or perhaps is fueled by, really only one thing, heresy. Modernism is a formally defined heresy, and those who knowingly adopt positions on non-negotiables like dogma and doctrines find themselves outside of the church. One has to wonder how many of the bishops and clergy who have these attitudes know that they would be found outside the fold of the church in the pre-conciliar church. Cardinal Cajetan, one of the greatest minds of the church, had a lot to say about this. Here he talks about what would happen if there was a heretical pope, but the logic applies to anyone in the hierarchy or employed by the church. And I'll end this with a quote from him on this topic. Now, many of you who are deep into the recognize and resist thing or who are set of a contest who, rec who reject the R&R &R position probably know this quote almost verbatim, but it's still noteworthy. According to Cardinal Cajetan, quote, If someone for a reasonable motive holds the Pope in suspicion and refuses his presence and even his jurisdiction, he does not commit the, commit the delict of schism nor any other whatsoever, provided that he be ready to accept the Pope were he not held in suspicion. It goes without saying that one has the right to avoid what is harmful and to ward off dangers. In fact, it may happen that the Pope could govern tyrannically, and that is all the easier as he is the most powerful and does not fear any punishment from anyone on earth. End quote. That quote is making the rounds right now and was recently featured in a print article over at the Remnant Magazine's website. That logic, if it applies to the Pope, then it applies to the bishops, to the clergy, and to the office workers who have an animosity towards the deposit of the faith. So again, as I frequently say, stay rigid and don't give in. But that's just my opinion. Let me know yours in the comments, please, and like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.